Hello, I'm Bruce Sinclair, and welcome to this podcast from Jordan Hill Parish Church, during which we will share in reading, reflection and prayer for Sunday the 11th of July. Today our service is led by the Reverend Linda Walker. Our reader is Alison McKenna. And our hymns come from the Northern Baptist Church, Big Sing, and Dunblane Cathedral Choir. Let us worship God. Hello, and welcome to this time of worship. Bruce has invited me to share some thoughts with you again this week as he's on holiday. So thank you for joining with me and wherever you are, may God's peace be with you. We gather to worship our God who speaks the words of peace we need in chaotic times. We gather to follow Jesus who encourages us never to fear for he is near. We gather to be filled with the Spirit who anoints us so we can go to serve our world. And as we gather, we pray together. God, our Father, you have shown us the way of life in Jesus, but we confess with shame that we have often been slow to learn and reluctant to follow him. You have spoken, but we have not heeded. Your beauty has shone around us, but we have been blind. You have reached out to us through other men and women, but often we have failed to respond. Forgive us that so little of your love has reached others through our living, and that we have sat so lightly to wrongs and sufferings that are not our own. Forgive us that we have harboured thoughts that divide us from others. Forgive us the times when we have been thoughtless in our judgments and grudging in our forgiveness. To all who confess their sins and resolve to live a new life, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. He also says, follow me. Lord, may we truly accept what you offer to us in your love, be renewed by your presence with us and grow daily in your ways. Amen. Our reading this morning is from the book of the prophet Amos and our reader is Alison McKenna. Today's reading is from the book of Amos at chapter 7, reading verses 7 to 17. This is what he showed me. The Lord was standing by a wall that had been built true to plumb, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord asked me, what do you see, Amos? A plumb line, I replied. Then the Lord said, look, I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. The high places of Isaac will be destroyed and the sanctuaries of Israel will be ruined. With my sword, I will rise against the house of Jeroboam. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos is raising a conspiracy against you in the very heart of Israel. The land cannot bear all his words, for this is what Amos is saying. Jeroboam will die by the sword and Israel will surely go into exile away from their native land. 
Then Amaziah said to Amos, Get out, you seer. Go back to the land of Judah. Earn your bread there and do your prophesying there. Don't prophesy any more at Bethel, because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom. Amos answered Amaziah, I was neither a prophet nor a prophet's son, but I was a shepherd, and I also took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Now then, hear the word of the Lord. You say, do not prophesy against Israel and stop preaching against the house of Isaac. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. Your wife will become a prostitute in the city and your sons and daughters will fall by the sword. Your land will be measured and divided up and you yourself will die in a pagan country and Israel will certainly go into exile away from their native land. Amen.
Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. My next door neighbour is a retired joiner and his van was a toolbox on wheels. I was fascinated when I first saw inside it how everything was carefully and safely stored away and more importantly how he knew exactly where to find what he was looking for. Joiners need to do a lot of measuring and Alec had a couple of set squares and several different tapes and rulers as well as a spirit level and he also had the very thing that is mentioned in our reading today, a plumb line. And while this is something that measures the alignment of things on a physical level, the message from Amos is more about how we measure up when we compare our lifestyle with what God expects of us. Amos was a Judean from Tekoa, a village about five miles south of Bethlehem in the southern kingdom. Like many rural people, he was something of a jack-of-all-trades, for in addition to having flocks and a fig orchard, he also knew something about building and the tools of that trade. In ancient times, the plumb line was essential to constructing a small house or a city wall. Builders depended on this simple tool, a weight suspended from a string, to make walls perfectly vertical. On his own admission, Amos was not a professional prophet or priest, but a farmer. But God had other plans for him. God used Amos to speak to the people and to challenge them. What's more, as an inhabitant of the South, by raising his voice against the moral and social corruption of Israel, the Northern Kingdom, he encountered the opposition of the royal priesthood of that nation. Amaziah was not best pleased when he heard what Amos was saying and tried to run him out of town. The vision of the plumb line that God gave to Amos vividly expressed God's total condemnation of the moral and spiritual leadership of Israel. The plumb line represented an obvious symbol of righteous behaviour against which the people could measure themselves. How would it be if we held up a plumb line to our lives, or a set square, or a spirit level? Are there things in our lives that are a little on the skew, not quite straight, a bit unbalanced? We can ask ourselves these questions and we can also ask ourselves what we have to do to ensure that we measure up to the standards God sets us. Some of you may know that I'm an auxiliary minister or ordained local minister, as they're now called. That means that alongside my ministry, I have a full time job. And a few years ago, I was in a job where I ran basic computer classes. I always encouraged those who were on the courses to ask questions. Now, I have to confess that some questions were trickier than others. And there were times when my technical limitations meant that I needed to phone a friend or promise to find out the answer and get back to the person. But that was all right. I had the luxury of an interested audience who were there to learn and who were not on the whole intent on tripping me up. Jesus, however, did not have that luxury. There's a passage in Luke's Gospel where a Pharisee, a teacher of the law, asks Jesus a question about the greatest commandment. Now, just so as you appreciate how tricky a question that was, 
The law that the Pharisees lived by had 365 things that you weren't allowed to do and 248 things that you had to do. That makes 613 regulations about all aspects of your life. And not only that, it was apparently worth more in God's sight to be obedient to the most important of them. So, to know which the greatest commandment was would be a big help. Jesus replied to the question with these words, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. By giving this particular answer, Jesus is telling his questioner and all present, you already know the answer to this one. You've known it all along. If you don't love God and neighbour, neither will you be inclined to follow any other law you could name. But if you do love God above all, and you love your neighbour as yourself, then everything else falls into place and makes sense. So, we hold a plumb line up to our lives and we see how closely it hangs to the way we follow this great commandment. To me, it means measuring three different ways of loving God with the totality of our being. Loving God with all our heart indicates the commitment of our will and loyalty. Loving God with all our soul indicates willingness to even lay down life itself for the sake of that love. And loving God with all our strength indicates not just physical strength, but our abilities and talents, gifts and skills, the commitment of our personal resources to the love and service of God. Our love for God should be sincere and strong and devoted above all other loves in our lives. You may know the hymn that begins like this, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. But what about the second half of the commandment? Love your neighbour as yourself. Think for a moment about fruit. Whatever is your favourite. It's quite obvious that fruits do not materialise from thin air. They cannot be produced without a plant of some sort. A plant that has roots to nourish it. And so it is that the love we have for our neighbour is the fruit that grows from the love that we have for God. The two are interdependent. A life of commitment to loving God will be evidenced by love towards our neighbours. And we see this in the lives of saints, ancient and modern. We also see it in the lives of those in our communities who are tireless in helping others, supporting their friends and neighbours and expressing the love of God in caring and practical ways. This outworking of the love of God in us and through us to others is what the great commandment is all about. In one book I read it said, love is the measuring cup of our true spiritual condition. Love is the measuring cup of our true spiritual condition. 
And so, as well as using the plumb line that Amos saw in his vision to see how our lives measure up to what God expects of us, I wonder about the levels of love in the measuring cups of our lives. Is there just a little sloshing about in the bottom? Is there enough to come up to the halfway mark? Is it creeping towards the brim or is it full to overflowing? As Eugene Peterson puts it in his contemporary translation of the Bible, The Message, Love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence and love your neighbour as well as you do yourself. Let's think about how we measure up and see if we can increase the levels of love in the measuring cups of our lives in the days and weeks to come. Amen. Now, let us join together in our prayers of gratitude and concern. We celebrate a faith that is measured, not by the usual signs of greatness, but by the marks of love, and we celebrate the God who gives it. We celebrate a love that is measured not by romance or emotion, but by acts of compassion and service. And we celebrate the God who gives it. We celebrate a life that is measured not by the trappings of wealth or power, but by the lives that are healed and enriched. And we celebrate the God who gives it. God who measures every heart and life, we praise you for the life that is revealed in Christ and for the spirit who empowers us to follow Christ's example. And we praise you for the love and grace which we find in you, receive from you and against which we shall all ultimately be measured. Loving God, we are conscious of the darkness that covers the earth and affects the lives of so many people. Your light has shone into our lives and so we ask that your light will shine too in the lives of those who can see no way forward. Those who feel helpless and despairing in the face of difficulty, depression or death. Those who have nowhere they can call home or who live in crowded or unhealthy houses. Those who have no job or who struggle to earn enough to provide for themselves and their families. Enabling God, you have called us to love both you and our neighbour. We pray for those whose work is an action of love, especially in the hurting places. For aid workers round the world bringing relief and assistance. For volunteers working tirelessly for charities. For workers in the health services caring for the frail and sick. For social workers dealing with complex family issues. Grant them all compassion, wisdom and understanding as they seek to carry out the work you have called them to do. Gracious God, you know us through and through. You know our prayers even before we voice them. But in a moment of silence now, we bring to you those people and situations in need of a special blessing from you.
We bring all our prayers to you and sum them up in the words that Jesus taught his first disciples. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. sent by God to be God's people in the world. So go to proclaim God's joy and hope to all. We are called by Christ, adopted into God's gracious family. So go to share the good news of God's grace for everyone.
we are chosen by the Spirit to care for and serve creation. So go to join with your sisters and brothers in every moment. And as you proclaim and share and join together, may the blessing of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, rest on and remain with you all, now and always. Amen. <laughs>